Hey everyone, welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast where our hope is to just dig a little bit deeper into Sunday's sermon so that way we might just dig a little bit deeper into our hearts. Um, I am Chris Brown. I am the associate pastor here at First Baptist Azel. My name is Jacob Belding. I'm the connections minister here at First Baptist Azel. And we've got Judah Sanderford, who you can now see. Brendan Audio. Hey everybody. <laughs> We decided to throw Judah a camera so that way y'all can, uh, he can be a part of it. We're just one big happy family here. That's right. Uh, One big happy family. Well, we've got a fun one today. If you weren't here on Sunday, uh, Pastor Lee, Jacob, what did he teach on? Revelation. Revelation. More specifically. (laughs) The mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. Everyone's got theories on the mark of the beast. Um, You know, actually, you know what might be fun before we even get into all the different things? We're we're, going to go through the the sermon outline in just a second. Uh, But before we get into all that, let's just like speculate wildly for a second. Okay. Sounds like uh, fun. (laughs) uh, We we asked after the the service for for people just to give us their wildest theories on this. And I had a few. Um, Have you heard a few? Uh, I, I didn't hear uh, from anybody after the service on mm-hmm. Sunday. But do you have some? Um, yeah, there's okay. a, there's a couple. All right, g- g- give me give me one that you like. Uh, Apple Pay is the mark of the beast uh-huh. uh, on your iWatch or Apple Watch, not iWatch. Yeah, but Apple Pay. Yes, Apple Pay. It must be the mark of the beast. Must be the mark of the beast because as we're going to talk about in just a minute, uh, the mark of the beast revolves a lot around economy. Yep. And so you need it to be able to purchase things. And sure enough, you got Apple Pay. And did you know that there's actually uh, stores now that are going cashless? 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when Randy was uh, delivering our second child, we were in the uh, Baylor Hospital, and the Starbucks at Baylor Hospital is cashless. They, they won't take cash at all if you offer it to them. Randy's dad was very upset yeah. about it. <laughs> For me, being a techie guy, uh, I like using Apple Pay anyways. Um, but is that legal? Can you do that? Um, yeah, uh, apparently. I guess so. Because nobody challenges it. And I would just like to point out and say, you know, I didn't actually know what Apple Pay was until I saw you use your watch to pay yeah. uh, one time. And I'm like, what is that? How did you do that? Yeah. Uh, so if I have the mark of the beast now, it's your fault. Yes. <laughs> In case you don't know, Apple Pay is like a version of Tap Pay. And so essentially, like on your watch, you can like just double click your watch and just tap it on the the, the terminal. And that's how you the pay the transaction. Right. right? And, um, and so now places are moving to a more cashless society. So uh, the more it moves into that, more you need these tap pay options right. and, and digital options. And so the, the, you know, the theory is, is that um, because you have to have this, therefore it's the mark of the beast. Um, to be fair to tap pay and to Apple <laughs> pay, every time there's a new currency or, n- or new medium of currency, there's, there's the same theories, thing, right? Yep. Yeah. It's like credit cards came out. <gasps> it's the mark of the, the mark beast. of the beast. Yeah, that must be it. <laughs> Barcodes, the mark of the beast. Yeah, right. <laughs> QR codes, anything around that. Okay, here, here's one. Vaccine cards. I think Lee mentioned this yeah. one. Yeah, Vaccine cards is like, because there was like, you know, during the pandemic, there was that kind of like that theory, and it seemed like it may have been real for a minute, um, that uh, you would have to have a vaccine card to be able to enter any business Yep. and to partake in that business. And so, uh, yeah, that, that didn't happen. No. And so, so I'm going to guess. I'm just going to take a venture. It's probably not vaccine cards. Probably not. Uh, any other ones? Um, man, that, you know, those were the ones that came to mind yeah. anyway. So here's one. Uh, did you see the thing with, um, uh, monster, the drinks? 
Uh, with the 666 yeah. and the, the yeah. Hebrew characters somehow. Yeah. yeah, there's a YouTube video. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a deep dive on that if you want to go. Um, but yeah, it's basically like the little symbol for the monster drinks um, is, what was it, 666 yes. in Latin or uh, I think it's Hebrew. Or it's Hebrew, it? yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. It's my while since I looked. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it's like monster. Monster is a type of beast. Oh, it's yeah, so, yeah. and the, the tagline was unleash the beast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. it. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And so it was like, man, conspiracy mode activated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, yeah. So that's a fun one. I'm sure there's lots more out there. If you want to give a comment on your favorite Mark of the Beast uh, theory, uh, we we love to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just go nuts. Go nuts in the comments. <laughs> They're all so great. Uh, if if it gets out of hand, we'll just shut it down. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get into this. So the Mark of the Beast. This is largely in Revelation 13. Correct. Um, and a little bit into 14. Uh, and here is the outline from Sunday that, that Lee gave. So he gave four points talking about the Mark of the Beast. Now, disclaimer uh, that Lee gave and that we will give at the same time. Revelation 1 is a large book. Two, there's a lot in there. Three, it's symbolic. We'll talk about that in a second. Four, <laughs> there is no way that we could cover all of it. In this one podcast, there's no way Lee could have covered all of it in his sermon. And so, disclaimer: if if we don't get to everything, it's okay. Life will go on. That's right. We're we're gonna move forward. I mean, we we could get through all of it, but you know, it would be like a 20 hour video. Yeah, uh, they, they have. <laughs> so I took a whole class uh, on just Revelation, like a whole semester long class on it. I'm sure that there's degrees where you specialize okay. in Revelation. Um, it's. There's a lot of debate around Revelation for a reason, right? Uh, because it's there's there's some gray area in it, and so so we're gonna get that. So so disclaimer, you know, if we don't get to everything, you know, obviously we can't, right? And so, but we're gonna try our best, and and so so today we're gonna kind of particularly uh, revolve around uh, the mark of the beast. So Lee gave us four points as to what the mark or uh, as to um, what, what we can know about the mark of the beast right. and, and those four points are this the number of the beast is the number of a man two everyone's got a mark or everyone will have a mark three the number isn't necessary the number of the beast isn't necessarily the mark of the beast right and there's some symbolism there that we'll get to and then four, whatever the mark of the beast is, you need it to buy things, mm-hmm. which is going to be a fun one to talk about. That gets more into the conspiracy theories. Yep. Um, but that's kind of the outline. And so it's been a minute since I've took my Revelation class uh, and studied Revelation, but you, y'all went to a conference we uh, did. on Revelation not too long ago, and you've got... Uh, some new commentaries, right? Is that what you said? Uh, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah Greg Beal was uh, speaking and putting on this conference up in Denton. And uh, yeah, he had uh, some of his books for sale. And so uh, the conference was awesome. And then I'm like, well, might as well pick up this commentary while I'm here. Mm-hmm. So I actually I really got to use it this week. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be the conspiracy theorist and Jacob <laughs> is going to be the theologian today. <laughs> and we're going to balance each other out. So, first one, the number of the beast is the number of a man. Yes. What thoughts you got? Should should we look at the passage? Yeah, Um, let's read the passage first. All right, so this is Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 18. 
This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So that was the passage that... That was the passage. Yeah. Yep. And he goes into a little bit of other things, but but that was the main chunk of the passage. Right. Yep. Correct. So probably the first thing we want to talk about uh, is really the... Uh, do we want to talk about the symbolism of Revelation? Uh, yeah, yeah. You were actually... Uh, me, you, and... Was it Joe? Uh, yes. About this, uh, Sunday night, the symbolism. Yeah, yeah. Go, go and share, share what you're talking about. All right. So, yeah, the very beginning of Revelation, uh, it opens up in, in chapter one and kind of gives gives us some some tools and some direction on how to actually go about reading it. So Revelation 1, uh, starting in verse 1, says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him uh, to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Here's kind of the key right here, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So part of the language there uh, is uh, prophetic language. It's uh, even uh, the language that Jesus uses when it comes to the parables. And so, uh, for example, if you think about uh, Isaiah chapter 6, uh, it's the, the throne room scene where uh, Isaiah is there in the presence of God. Um, you know, it, there's a whole scene without getting into all the details. Um, and really what comes out of that is Isaiah is going to go and he's going to prophesy to the people. He's going to declare the word of the Lord to the people, but they're not going to hear. They don't have eyes to see. They don't have ears to hear. And so uh, Jesus even uh, gets into this as well. Um, he, he I think says, he quotes the same passage. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he does. And he's referring back yeah. uh, to Isaiah mm-hmm. and says, uh, you know, a lot of these other people, they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear, but you followers of Jesus do have eyes to see and ears to hear. So here's a parable. Uh, you should be able to understand it because he's opened our eyes and opened our ears uh, to be able to understand. So on one hand, it has sort of a, uh, a softening effect on those who are in Christ, but for those who are outside of Christ, it has a hardening effect instead. Uh, but, but what comes out of that is lots and lots of symbolic language. Um, and so for us, that really means um, that the uh, we should be aware uh, that this is going to be mostly symbolic, right? There's not going to be like a literal beast coming out of the sea. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> quite that way. Says, says you. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, when it comes to symbolism, I mean, uh, even Lee talked about in his sermon, there is so much symbolism in Revelation, like the numbers themselves, 666, uh, those are symbolic, and we'll mm-hmm. kind of talk about those in a minute. Yeah, and even you know, comparing it to the the parables of mm-hmm. Jesus, uh, in a lot of the parables you had Jesus, so like he would he would say the parable to you know whoever the crowd, and then when kind of the crowd went away and the disciples were with him, he explained the parable. Right, and so you had like the the actual intention explained. Mm-hmm. Here. We don't have that. Right, really. Yeah, like, yeah, like we have the symbolic, you know. Um, uh, Scripture given to us, but then there's no like clarification on what that symbol right. symbology actually is. Right. Now we do have some, but you're right for for a lot of the the specifics mm-hmm. of like what we all really want to know, yeah, right. <laughs> and we love to speculate on. Right. Uh, we don't have mm-hmm. super clear answers. Yeah. 
for sure. And so what does that mean for us whenever we approach this topic? So for us, that means uh, the parables, or even uh, in Isaiah's day, the, the language of, of prophecy that he, that he uses, uh, there's going to be a lot of symbolism. Um, and the function, the way that that functions is to sort of shock and wake up believers um, who, are, who are following Christ, or in Isaiah's day, who are, are following the Lord, um, to uh, do the things that God has commanded them to do, or by extension, the things that God has commanded for us to do. And so uh, that's why, you know, having those eyes to see and ears to hear when we go about reading uh, the symbolism uh, and interpreting the symbolism of Revelation, uh, it's, it serves that function to say, hey, like, wake up, let's do the things that God has, yeah. has told us and commanded us to do. So, so if I was to regurgitate that back to you, it's not necessarily meant to give us every single answer right. as much as it's meant to just um, alert us yes. to what's going to happen. And, and this is my, you mentioned how a lot of times the parables and symbolism is meant to be a softening effect for those who trust in Christ and a hardening effect for those who don't. You might even be able to see that in this, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the mark of the beast and and all of this kind of wild imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, for Christians, it does have that alerting effect of, okay, here's an idea of what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't trust in Christ, what do they do? They call it ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. And so it's you see that played out in real time, exactly what's yeah. going on. Yeah, exactly right. And we even see uh, some of that similar language earlier in chapter 13, uh, in chapter 13, verse 9. Uh, so this is after uh, John gets done writing about the, the first beast that rises up out of the sea. Uh, he's, he's giving all these details of things that are going to happen. And then in verse 9 of chapter 13, it says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. So we're, we're right. We're right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So symbolic uh, nature. So we have to read all this through a symbolic Right, nature. exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, and one of the things, and uh, just kind of backtrack on the symbolic nature of it, the, the opening verse of that, this calls for wisdom. Same same yes. vein, exact yes. same vein, yep. Uh, this calls for wisdom, which means slow down, think through it, be humble mm-hmm. as you walk through this. Yep, yep. exactly. Kay. All right, so uh, the number of the beast, so now that we've got, uh, gone through that, the number of the beast is the number of a man. Yes. You got thoughts? Uh, well, th- and that's one example of where uh, where in Revelation we, we do get an interpretation. So the, the, the language is symbolic of, oh, there's a beast, uh, in this case, that rises up out of the earth, and then it goes on to explain that, yes, okay, in fact, we are talking about a man. We're not talking about a literal beast. Mm-hmm. We are talking about a man. So that's nice yeah. uh, that we have that. And it's not Satan. Correct. Yeah. This is not Satan. Yeah. Uh, he works in the power of Satan, sort of under his authority. Mm-hmm. But correct, it's not Satan. We're talking about a man. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, Lee brought this up, and in, in, uh, I never thought about it this way before, but uh, between Satan and the beast and what Lee called the assistant beast, yeah. um, you have like a kind of an unholy trinity, yep. uh, like parallel going on there. I've never thought about it that way. Yep. Um, but yeah, so the, the beast isn't Satan. Correct. Uh, the beast isn't even a beast. The beast is a man. Yes. Given power and dominion through from Satan. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Anything else on that one? Um, yeah. So Lee even brought up uh, in the sermon that you know the, the the number of the beast is the number of a man, uh, and it really sort of reflects 
on the the self deification that man is prone to. Yeah, and yeah. then he really uh, he dove into the the transgender mm-hmm. uh, movement, and you know, just because you make certain pronouncements about yourself or about other things, it doesn't that doesn't accurately uh, always reflect reality. Yeah, which is yeah, you know, it's a really interesting parallel right there. Yeah. So so you've got the beginning right in the mm-hmm. beginning in the garden. God speaks things into being, yes. right? And because yes. God is God, he can say, let there be light, and there's light. Mm-hmm. He can say, you know, let this happen, and this happens. Now, when it comes to man, he actually doesn't speak into being. He forms it right. and, and breathes life into them. Um, but a, a similar thing is kind of happening with a lot of the transgender stuff is it's I'm going to pronounce and declare my ideas into reality. Yes. Which is an interesting parallel going on yeah. right there. Yeah, it is. And uh, uh, back when I was teaching, uh, so, uh, you know, getting into sort of the anti, uh, anti-gospel anti or even anti-Christian or sort of reverse or negative Christian elements of transgenderism and what it means. Now, when I was teaching, I had a, a student uh, my last year there uh, that uh, – she wanted to be called by uh, a boy name because she was transitioning or transgender or whatever, wanted to be called this and her pronouns. She wanted to be he, him. Um, and when I, you know, I wasn't prepared to do that. And so uh, when I called her by her, her name, that's on the the role in the roster, um, she informed me uh, in a somewhat aggressive manner. Uh, that, no, that was her dead name. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a name that uh, she has, in essence, died to, and she's become somebody else, almost almost like reborn as somebody yeah. else. It's which, very, very religious undertones. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, yeah. like for us as Christians and believers, right, we, we die to self, and we're, uh, you know, we, we die, it's like baptism, right? We're uh, identified in Christ's death, and then we're raised to walk in newness of life mm-hmm. in Him. Well, for for the, the transgender movement, this idea of, of a dead name, of being somebody who's sort of made new even, mm-hmm. is definitely an anti-gospel, uh, anti-Christ sort of a – you get an anti-Christ sort of a feel mm-hmm. uh, for it, uh, yeah. which is which is kind of interesting. Which is a whole psychological thing that we can dive into of how a lot of times when you have the secular, like anti-Christian ideologies, mm-hmm. they have – Christian undertones to them. Sure do. Like, like all, like all of the main components of the gospel are still there. They're just reworked and reframed right. into a new storyline, mm-hmm. uh, which is yeah. Again, it's we, kind, we it's can kind go of a, off on that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a whole another discussion for a whole another time. Yeah. Which, by the way, you know, if anyone's listening to this that that happens to identify as transgender, man, we're not saying any of this to like hate on you. I know there's like a lot of like mixed confusion there of like yeah. you know if you disagree with someone, therefore you hate someone. Right. And that's not at all what we're doing. Um, in, in fact, we think that's the most loving thing that we can do right. is to speak truth. Um, and a lot of times, like, like love is conflated with you have to agree. And the, the problem is, is that when we define love as the Bible defines love, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but delights in truth. Yep. And so the most loving thing that we can do for people is speak truth to people mm-hmm. in love. That's right. And so... So if anyone's listening to this, please don't take us as like attacking you because we're we're not we're not at yeah all. that's right yeah, yeah that's we're right. just trying to love you the best way that we possibly can yep yeah okay yeah but tying that back in uh, mm-hmm. to uh, the beast the man he he 
takes on this like self deification yes uh, kind of thing and we're going to see how that that goes into it it starts to move into like a world domination kind mm-hmm. of mindset and info uh miracles and, and things like that but but it's interesting uh how uh it's basically the the pinnacle of man's attempt to self deify right yeah yep exactly uh and it's been going on since genesis 3 <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. The serpent says, you can be like God. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, let's eat from that tree then. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a, and, it's a theme. And I'd be curious. Um, so we're, we're getting a little bit ahead here, but but one of the the, the identifiers or, or the, the descriptions that we see of the beast is that basically the whole world follows them. Yeah. And... Uh, I wonder if there's an element of in in the beast self deification that the ideology that comes out of the beast is you can also self deify. It could be. Yeah. Um, uh, I had a thought and then I lost. It. Oh yeah, it's it's the um, uh, the the Church of Satan. Is that what they call it? Um, the Judah. Do you know? Do you know? No, you don't know. Because there's two of them in. Right, one is uh, sort of more of a, a parody, or uh, you know, they don't yeah. actually worship Satan, but the other one does. Yeah, so so that like one, that. so so the one that doesn't actually worship Satan, yeah, um, like church Satan or satanic church, church or whatever yeah. it's called, satanic um, temple, the satanic temple. Yeah, they they don't actually believe in Satan. Right, they believe in the um, in the uh, the the values, if you will, of Satan, and the values of Satan are, I don't have to follow God, I am God. Right. And so whenever they um, partake in that religion, what they're saying is, there is no God, I'm God, right. I'm self-deifying. And that's interesting, that that might be exactly what Satan wants, right? It's like, yeah. Satan's like, I don't care if you believe in me, I just want you to hold to my beliefs, right? Right. right. And so um, the Church of Satan, whatever it's called, might just be like a small microcosm of what the mark of the beast is going to look like yeah. of, you know, people may not even be willingly or, or knowingly following the beast as much as they've just bought into the deception right. of the beast. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. We're getting a little bit ahead on that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else on that one? Uh, no, that those were my thoughts anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a man um, uh, under the power of Satan. Uh he uh, has global rule, mm-hmm. self-deifies, um, all that stuff. Okay, number two. So that's number one. The number of the beast is the number of a man. Number two, everyone's got a mark. How does that work? <laughs> um, so, you know, I think if, if you look back, and Lee brought this up in his sermon even, that uh, slaves, for example, uh, in the Roman Empire uh, were branded, and oftentimes they were even branded on the face. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even back to uh, the Old Testament times. Yeah. Uh, I think they had a uh, uh, like a little like ring. Um, uh, yes. Was it, was it, was, they had a word for or it. They could be, uh, like their ear would be notched if they wanted yeah. to stay in perpetual yeah. mm-hmm. uh, servitude uh, yeah. to their good master, yeah. uh, something like that. Um yeah, so uh, the idea of uh, being identified with somebody else, right, in their culture that way, right, would have been relatively common, mm-hmm. especially uh, the first century uh, AD. 
um, you don't get the outlawing of branding slaves on the face who are uh, also made in God's image. I think it's Constantine that uh, outlaws that uh, later <laughs> sounds, on sounds in the like fourth, centu- yeah. fourth century. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think what's interesting is the mark of the beast is probably one of the most argued over points in the in the whole book of Revelation. And there's a lot to argue about, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, and Pastor Lee pointed that out. Um, and there's been tons of different suggestions about, like, what, you know, this mark could be, as we've already kind of touched on. Um, so why do you uh, – I have a question for you. Yeah. So why do you think people generally get very, very concerned about the mark of the beast or are, are really hypersensitive to, like, okay, what is it that the mark of the beast could be? I think it's, like, it's salacious kind of thing. It's um, – I think it's, it's – there's an element of, like, fun to it because it's, like, so – there's enough concrete – there and just enough gray hmm. to then like start to like speculate yeah. and it's like you know it's you know the mark is you know tied to you know the ruler kind of thing and so it's like like you know you watch movies and the movie could not have a christian element to it at all mm-hmm. but if there's an evil aspect to it what the room is like 666 yeah that's the room or the or whatever the number shows up 666 somewhere um and we've just come to identify 666 with evil Mm -hmm. and i think there's like a fascination that we have with evil like that's why we like watching evil movies Mm -hmm. right or like spirit movies or like conjuring or paranormal activity and stuff like that there's like some kind of fascination that we have with the spiritual evil world and that and, and this is where the spiritual evil world kind of like starts to blend with the physical reality. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just something about that that fascinates us. Mm-hmm. And and Lord, help us repent whenever we start to take delight in that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's where we got to get a little bit careful is that, uh, again, these things um, aren't there um, to give us entertainment. Right. They're there to be an alert. And so whenever we start to find salaciousness in these things, I think that's when we're starting to move into... Um, a heart issue. Gotcha. Um, because at the same, like, so uh, as we're going to mention, the whole point of Revelation is to show that we um, we win. Like, if right. you're on the side of God, we win. All these things are going to happen. Don't be alarmed. God knows it's going to happen. God's in control. And at the end of the day, God's going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we, we have to keep in mind that in the midst of God coming out the victor, there's going to be a lot of people ahead of destruction. Yeah, that's right. And so um, that's why at the beginning of Revelation, when it kind of it, it gives a, a presentation of, of Jesus coming back, it starts to describe everything that's going on and how like there's going to be mourning over the earth. Why is there mourning? Like Jesus come back. Well, it's all the people who haven't trusted in Jesus. Right. Right. And so, and it, it ends with the statement of it, it describes all these um, like borderline awful things mm-hmm. that are going to happen. And and the ending statement was even so, come. Right. And so it's like even so, all of these bad things are going to happen. Come because that's how you are going to establish your reign. Right. Right. And so it's like mm-hmm. uh, that, that's like the the tension of right. this is that. Uh, on one hand, we hold, we celebrate that we're going to, that, that the Lord's going to come back and he's going to rule. But at the same time, we mourn because everyone that hasn't placed their faith in him is, um, is ahead to destruction. That's right. And that, and that, uh, I got a little bit off topic of yeah. the, the question, but. Uh, well, I mean, it, yeah. it gets right into it, though, yeah. uh, because everyone has a mark or gets a mark, mm-hmm. right? And so for those that are uh, not in Christ, right, it's going to be the mark of the beast. 
for everyone, on the other hand, who is in Christ, this is in chapter 14, uh, we get the mark of, of Christ and, and of the Father. And so one of the things that really uh, that, that we get from that is, right, we want to be, we want to have our names in, in the Lamb's Book of Life, mm-hmm. right, versus... Uh, versus not, mm-hmm. um, and so it uh, you know there's there's no exceptions mm-hmm. right there's no middle ground there's no well I'm gonna ride the fence um, until uh, I die stand before God and then I have some questions to ask and then uh, then I'll decide one way or the other God's right? gonna stand before me I'm not gonna stand before God right right, <laughs> yeah. right. I've yeah. heard that one before too yeah um, and it's no uh, it's yeah. it's all or nothing it's one or the other we're either in Christ or or we're not. Um, and so, you know, the fact that everybody is going uh, is going to have a mark or, or has a mark already, um, it's, you know, like, again, like I said, there's no middle ground. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. It's all in with Christ or, or we're outside. Yeah, and that's where so, – so I think whenever we, we think about and speculate what the, the mark is mm-hmm. – um, I think there, for some people there may be some, like, legitimate fear of, yeah. like, I don't want to – I don't want to bear the mark of the beast right. because I want to bear the mark of Christ. And I think it's going to be a little bit clearer than that because cause if you have placed your faith in Christ, he's not going to allow you to have the mark of the beast. Right. Right? It's like, like we talked about last week. Like there's all these promises in the Bible that if you are in Christ, you are in Christ. Yeah. Like no one's going to pluck you out of his hand. And so, so whatever it is, like, we're not going to be like tricked into it. It's like, uh, like I used Apple pay right? right. <laughs> and, and because I used Apple pay, therefore I lost my salvation. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the, the beast is a deceiver, yeah. right? We'll get into that uh, mm-hmm. in a little bit, but, uh, so, you know, we do have to sort of be on the lookout and, and be aware that that these things are are, mm-hmm. are happening, uh, even in our present day, going to ultimately happen at some point. Um, and so, you know, being uh, being aware that there is a deceptive element there. Yeah, especially like for those that are kind of in the middle ground. Yeah, or like they're kind of playing church a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree. Those who uh, those who are in in Christ, uh, right, can't be plucked from His hand by the beast or uh, the antichrist or anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so everyone's got a mark. Um, did we talk about the mark of Christ yet? Um, no, I don't think we talked about that one. So, so everyone that's got the the mark that's not in Christ gets the mark of the beast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another mark. Yes. Right. Uh, so can you, can you read that passage? <clears throat> yes. Oh, other way. Uh, This is Revelation 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Yeah. So if you don't have the mark of the beast, you have the mark of Christ. Right. Right. And so uh, you're getting a mark. Either way. Yes. And, and this is like, again, this is global. Like, like this isn't just going to be, you know, uh, uh confined to a region or mm-hmm. to a country it's going to be global because as we're going to talk about um the reign of the beast is global yes right and uh and as we're also going to talk about uh the economy starts to get brought into it and so there's going to be a, a great divide that happens of uh if you have the mark of the beast um then you can partake in this unified government with him with the beast as the dictator 
in the economy that that uh, comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the mark of the beast and you have the mark of Christ, now you're kind of exiled. And, and it'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah. Um, in that, but but for broad strokes purposes, globally, every single person on the earth will have a mark. It's either the mark of the beast or the mark of Christ. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think that goes nicely into the third yeah. uh, point. Which the third point, um, remind me what it is. Uh, the number of the beast is 666, which is symbolic, and the mark is not necessarily that number. Yeah, yeah. So the number of the beast isn't necessarily the mark of the beast. Correct. Uh, which is confusing. A little bit. <laughs> right. So uh, if you even look, so one of the things that we, we see there in chapters 13 and then getting into 14 is uh, the there's parallelism that exists between uh, the beast, uh, the mark of the beast, and then uh, Christ and the mark of Christ. Um, and so uh, we, we just read chapter 14, uh, verse 1. Um, the, the uh, what is it? Uh, the lamb with him, 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we read that, you know, we don't we don't tend to think of you know Jesus's name up there on your forehead or uh, God the Father's <laughs> name written on your forehead, right? It's more uh, symbolic, right? It's to show mm-hmm. uh, ownership mm-hmm. uh, of okay, this one belongs to me. Yeah, this again, one's mine. going back to the the Roman practice, right? Of if you were a servant, right, you'd be branded, right? For lack of a better word, right? Exactly. And yeah. so, if those passages are set parallel to each other, and I think they are, uh, that. That would seem to suggest, in the same way that the actual the mark, right, uh, that that those who are in Christ will have, isn't going to be literally Jesus' name and the Father's name. So, in the same way, the mark of the beast isn't necessarily going to be the number. Know. There might be like a holy tattoo shop just set up, <laughs> and you just like form a line through there, and it's like. All right, do you want 777 or do you want Jesus? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, if 777 wouldn't count, you know, because yeah, it's too Is that why, I just had the thought, is that why in casinos, if you win, it's 777? Yeah, I don't know. That is a great question. Judah? Do you happen to know? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Never gambled in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I guess they don't have a 666 if you lose. That's, you know... I'm curious now. If, if you know that, put it in the comments. <laughs> why, why in the world do they have 777 on there? Um, you are a complete winner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh, you, you were saying, yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Yeah, so the... <laughs> letter, numbers. So, so it talks about, you know, um, you, you'll have the name of Christ right. on you. But, again, symbology. Right. right. So it may not necessarily be like a literal name on you. And if that parallels to the mark of the beast, um, which it, it outright says that it could be the number or it could be the name right. of the beast. Again, symbology, uh, is it literally going to be a number or a name or is it going to be symbolic for something else? Right. A barcode. Right. <laughs> it could be. Um, but, I mean, if you think too, I mean, so the letters – uh, of the alphabet had numbers behind them, right? They didn't have the the Arabic numerals that we use today, mm-hmm. or they didn't use them. Um, and so, oh the, man, I have, I have something for this. Okay, I've got fun with it. Okay, continue. Um, so there have been, I mean, tons of different times in in history 
and even uh, in recent history as well, where people take that number 666 to try to identify who is the beast. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is you can literally make anybody's name fit Six six six. If you really, really want to, if you try hard mm-hmm. to believe in yourself, anybody yeah. can be the beast. Have you yeah. seen the the number twenty three? Uh, it's an old Jim Carrey movie. Uh-uh. Uh, it's not. It's not comedy. Uh, I haven't seen that in a while. So I saw it when I was, you know, a kid. <laughs> so so this is not an endorsement of the movie. Um, but it was kind of that concept of this guy is haunted by the number twenty three, and literally he sees it everywhere because if Dr. you Pepper. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> twenty-three flavors. Oh no! no. <laughs> uh, it's like literally every single place he looks. You can like through some kind of multiplication, addition, subtraction, division. He will land on the number twenty-three, and he's just haunted by this number. Anyways, similar with six six six. When I was a kid, I was in seventh grade, and uh, the internet was just starting to become a thing. Like we had computers in the school. And uh, we had to do a research project uh, on government. And I was researching. And somehow, I don't know how I found this site, but I found a site that was dedicated to talking about how George Bush was the Antichrist. Awesome. And the way that, the way that it did, it took George Bush's name. It was George W. Bush. Took George W. Bush's name and like converted it to the Greek letters and then took the numbers of those Greek letters, added it up or, or did some kind of magic, and boom, six six six. Yep, George W. Bush confirmed right. Antichrist, Mark and, the Beast. And even more recently, uh, since a lot of it, a lot of what we're talking about, uh, there's there's definitely a governmental sort of one world order mm-hmm. uh, undertone that we get. <clears throat> and so, uh, even uh, in the 2020 election, uh, there was a I saw a meme where it was uh, one of Joe Biden's yard signs, and it's at the bottom. Oh, text this number for campaign <laughs> updates, and then. Somebody did some math, and mm-hmm. somehow these numbers mm-hmm. all added up to 666. So case closed, it's actually Joe Biden, uh, not George Bush, uh, I yeah. guess, I suppose. It's, well, that's you know, suspicious. L- you know? l- l- <laughs> let me throw another kink into this this uh, this theory. Yeah. I had someone come up after the service and talk to me about how they did that with Ronald Reagan. Like okay. Ronald, oh, man. Like, a, apparently yeah. his first name, middle name, and last name all had six letters. Right. 666. Oh, yep. Yeah. And, and that's what you have to do. I mean, people have done it with uh, with Adolf Hitler, mm-hmm. uh, the Roman Emperor Nero, for example. Um, you can make Nero fit, I think, if you add, like, his title uh, to his <laughs> name, kind of like the, the middle name yeah. or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hitler. It's the same way. Uh, there, I mean, if you want to, and if you try hard enough – anybody's name uh plus or minus a few things you think we could make judah's name 666 please don't (laughs) (laughs) judah you the antichrist you the beast (laughs) (laughs) but so so bringing it back um the the numbers have figurative significance uh, as as symbols uh they they symbolize a a spiritual reality right which lee talked about as well yeah well and i think people get fixated kind of going back to your, your question a long time ago um i think it, people get fixated on trying to figure out the number because it's weird because it says in the passage calculate the number and then it says the number six it tells you the number yeah so it's like well what does that mean and so i think that's why people dive into like oh the name's like this is this is what the calculating part is is trying to figure out the name and how it equals out to 666 mm-hmm. right but here's one of the the big big um, caveats that you have to have is that again the the beast is tied to global 
domination, mm-hmm. right? And so if you have someone who does not have global domination, you do not have the beast, right? Presumably. Yeah. And so it's like, um, and, and that's why I think they go to people in power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even like Adolf Hitler, um, I think, to be fair, I think he's a good candidate right. <laughs> for like pure evil. Right. right? Um, well, and, and it also kind of brings up, uh, you know, an interesting concept. So I think a lot of the times when we're reading Revelation, we're reading it primarily as something that's going to take place in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with that is, I mean, if, if this is something that's happening so far from us, or maybe even getting closer, right, as we speak, um, you know, how does that apply then to, to the first century church mm-hmm. or the third century church? And so I, I do think, you know, while the, there ultimately will be uh, a beast uh, like this who is like the culmination and in, in the one that we see here uh, in, in Revelation, there are also sort of microcosms mm-hmm. of of uh, manifestations of the beast, even throughout history. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, like uh, Hitler might be a great example mm-hmm. uh, of that, or uh, who, uh, you know, the Roman emperors even, uh, were uh, they considered themselves to be gods. Yeah. And, hey, well, you and, must worship me. And there's for sure right. theories and interpretations that all these things happened. Right. In the Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, when I was in, I don't know, ninth grade, I got a, a weird hankering to study uh, revelation and found this commentary and that was the main uh interpretation of that commentary that all these things weren't future events mm-hmm. but they already happened right in the roman empire um yeah that's not an endorsement of that view um again it's been a long it, time yeah. since i've been in revelation so I'm, I'm not landing on that view but there are people who Oh yeah, who definitely yeah. take that approach. It, it's one of the popular, uh, it's one of the popular interpretations. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not so much around here, uh, yeah. but uh, but yeah, uh, everything in Revelation has been fulfilled except for the very very end. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one of the yep. Uh, perspectives. Yep. So uh, the number of the beast isn't necessarily the mark of the beast; it's just symbolic and an, and an identifier. Yes. Of them. Okay. And this brings us to uh, the fourth point. So let, let's recap the points first. Okay. Yeah. So the number of the beast is the number of a man. So it's a man. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a mark globally, uh, whether it's the mark of the beast or the, the mark of Christ. Three, the number of the beast isn't necessarily the mark of the beast, that the number is just symbolic, and uh, it could be just some type of identifier Yeah, is what the mark is. And then four, whatever the mark is, you need it to buy things. So this ties into uh, how the beast um, gains global authority and a global, uh, presumably, governing system, Mm -hmm. uh, and in doing so has a global economy, and now you need that mark to buy things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So some thoughts. Um, You know, there there have been times in history where uh, something like this has happened. So uh, in in 250 AD, we get what's called uh, the Decian persecution. Uh, Decian was a Roman emperor, uh, who decreed that everybody living within the Roman Empire had to go and make sacrifices to him, the emperor. Uh, again, the emperors, uh, self, they did self-deify. Uh, they considered themselves gods, and they accepted worship as gods and, and even demanded worship as gods. And so uh, whenever you went and made your, your sacrifice to the emperor, you would get a slip of paper almost saying, <laughs> it wouldn't have been paper, but you yeah. get the idea, uh, a form of some kind saying, uh, yes, this person has made the proper sacrifices, just like the emperor has has demanded, 
and there were a lot of Christians who were killed uh, because they simply refused to go along uh, with that. So, I mean, this one, this one's a little bit broader than than the economics uh, side of it. Uh, but if you didn't have your, if you hadn't sacrificed to the emperor, uh, not only can you not buy and sell things, you can't. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to live, right? You have yeah. to repent, and they give you an opportunity to uh, to. Uh, repent of that and to go on and make those proper sacrifices mm-hmm. to the emperor. And if you don't, then you're martyred. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, this is something that we've seen uh, even in, mm-hmm. in history. Yeah. And so essentially the idea is the microcosm that you see there is going to be right globalized. Yeah. Right. So Lee gets into um, some theories <laughs> <laughs> on uh, how, a person can attain global authority, mm-hmm. right? Because for the longest time in history, uh, one, they didn't even realize there was a global right. population. Uh, but two, the thought of someone having global domination was like just m- mind boggling. Right. Like, let alone like being able just to communicate globally. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to take like you know, weeks to yeah. get a letter yeah. just across the ocean, right? Yeah. And now that can happen in. A second. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so so he's talking about how we live in an age, like, like technology has advanced so far, so fast, that now what used to be considered impossible, now is seeming more possible. Yep. Yeah. You got yep. any thoughts? Um, which is really, uh, really crazy to think about because, you know, other attempts at, at world domination – uh, or, or world, you know, conquering the world basically have generally fallen pretty short. I think uh, the largest empire in the history of the world, uh, at least directly, was uh, Alexander the Great's empire. Mm-hmm. I mean, he swept through, uh, you know, parts of uh, of Europe, uh, even down into Africa, all the way to India. It was a vast empire. It was huge. That's quick, right? Oh yeah, like ten years. Yeah, um, which is just. You know, it make your head spin thinking about how fast that mm-hmm. he was able to conquer all of this, these different areas, uh, and with the the thing about that one though is it didn't last very long. Uh, mm-hmm. As soon as he died, the whole thing breaks up. Quick so burn. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was quick to burn through and quick to burn out. Um, even uh, the Roman Empire, uh, I mean, as as vast as it was, you know, it it fell apart. Uh, yeah, it it's really. It's really pretty recent that empires, and you know, let, let's draw draw a correlation between like America. Right. Let's just call America right. an empire uh, for sake of same terms. Ease. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty recent that empires have stabilized like that mm-hmm. um, to like longer ones because like you know you got Alexander the Great. It's like or like all these different rulers. Mm-hmm. It's like you know they weren't there weren't term limits. Right. right. And so you knew there was a expiration date mm-hmm. on their reign yep. um and so uh yeah it's stabilized a little bit more now world power might shift a little bit based on economics yeah. and, and things like that but but for the most part you know with um uh you know russia invading ukraine that's really the first um one we've seen in a little bit of like someone trying to like disrupt right uh in a significant way the map, yes. right? or at least in in the first world, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, agreed. Uh, which uh, it kind of you know flows into uh, the point that you made a minute ago about sort of global economics, the global economy, and how connected everything is now. It's like you you 
the the sort of nature of empire even has changed. So mm-hmm. uh, now it's really less about uh, how much area can I conquer, right? Like try to pull a Napoleon or mm-hmm. even a, a Hitler, right? Where you just try to uh, conquer as much territory as you possibly can. And now it, in a lot of ways, it is more economic. You know, here's my theory as to why the United States doesn't conquer land anymore. It's because we don't want to we don't want more than 50 states. <laughs> like it, it throws the evenness out of it. Right. What would we do with the flag? If we had to put exactly. another star on it. I mean, this is too big of a problem. We're moving 51 on. stars? That sounds lame <laughs> right. compared to 50 stars, right? 50 is like a nice, like solid number. Yeah. Yeah. 50 or 100. So right. we either need to stay where we are or just go big. Right. 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 <laughs> That's why we don't make Puerto Rico a state, right? Yeah. It's because we just don't want to add that one star. <laughs> More than likely. Yeah, no. Oh, jokes. Jokes. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I don't speak on behalf of America. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so Lee got into um, the growing technology, particularly AI. Yes. So AI has come a long way. Explain what AI is uh, in case people don't know. Uh, artificial intelligence. Um, AI is, um, well, there's a lot of different functions, uh, but basically somehow the computer thinks for itself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe so, you might be better at explaining yeah, this than so, me. Yeah, um, so, Judah, you're, you're a Gen Z, so you might understand this better than both of us. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, AI is basically where this computer program intakes information and doesn't give you what someone else wrote, but, but creates its own unique response yeah. of the information that's got. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Countless movies have been made about this. Terminator. Terminator. Uh, iRobot. iRobot. Yep. Yeah. It's like basically where you give uh, robots and computers a level of autonomy. Mm-hmm. And then what do they do with that autonomy? They take over the world. <laughs> yeah, they, they turn evil <laughs> and attack. <laughs> right. Um, so AI, which we've been using AI for a while, mm-hmm. but it's really blown up over the past year with... Um, uh, chat GPT, so it was called, uh, and open AI and stuff like that. And it's really, we've messed with it before. It's, it's pretty amazing at what it can do. Um, but Lee's thought was, you know, and he's kind of speculating here, obviously there's, there's no scripture tie into this. Um, but the idea of, uh, if AI has come so far, so fast, what is it going to look like in 15 years? And um, is there a world in the future where AI determines literally everything? AI already determines a lot of things mm-hmm. in our life, like whether you can get a loan, yep. um, whether you can, um, like whether some prisoners get out of prison, uh, things like that. So it's already aiding in a lot of the decisions that are being made. And what if it gets so good that in the future it's not aiding, it's just making the decisions right. itself? Um, I've got some, some articles, All right, but I want to hear your thoughts before I share those articles. Um, they're, they're wild, yeah. by the way. So, you know, when, uh, like you said, uh, a lot of it is speculation. Well, mm-hmm. we, we don't know. It's not laid out in scripture that like the robots are attacking, um, or something like that. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> Symbology. Right. <laughs> like uh, the locusts or uh, yeah. Black Hawk helicopters or something yes. like that. Like, uh, I don't know about that. But uh, anyway. Powered by AI. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I definitely know that there are uh, instances where AI is being used 
uh, like like this like social credit system that that China mm-hmm. sort of was piloting and sort of testing out where yeah uh, if your social credit points aren't at a certain level then you can't buy these products or these things that how do, are over how do you here. get social credits uh i don't recall no, no. um yeah, no. yeah it's it's been a while i haven't heard of that one yeah um, yeah um but uh, uh it's that's that's sort of an example and yeah. uh you know i'm not 100% sure how it is that they pull that off but it almost has to be an ai thing i, I i'm not 100% yeah cuz sure i mean you when, when you get into let's just take america mm-hmm. um 330 million people roughly you can't have one person determining one for one right everything going on it would take forever you would never get it done and so that's why ai we've started leaning on ai because now uh, what used to have to be like contained to small communities to make these decisions, because uh, they couldn't do it on that massive of a scale. Now it's becoming possible to do it on that massive of a scale because now they just input into AI. Here's the parameters mm-hmm. of what we want to happen, and then the AI takes those parameters, takes in the information, and spits out results. Mm. Right, um, and th- and that's where Lee was kind of getting at is that um, if you have AI that can become so powerful. And so vast, and then that gets in the hands of one man. Could he then have global domination? That's that's the, the thought post. Right, here's right. okay. Here's some things. So AI came across a couple of articles this week. Um, so uh, do you want the wild one first, or like the t- the tame one, the, the concerning one, or the wild one? Uh, let's work from a little bit more chill to less chill. Okay. So so we'll start with the the most chill. So um, here's an article from the New York Times called The Godfather of AI Quits Google and Warns of Dangers Ahead. So a man named Dr. Hinn, uh, who spent a decade working for Google developing AI. Mm. He resigns from Google and says he regrets his life's work because of the concerns he has for AI. Uh, I I also saw that headline. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a little, it's little like, uh, goosebumpy. What yeah. does he know? <laughs> yeah, what does he know? What's going on? Okay, even more so. You ready? Yeah. Um, so here recently, uh, AI leaders gathered together and uh, started talking about AI. Well, hold on. just to be clear, AI leaders are these like computer leaders? No, or no, no, are these like like, people? like the people who developed AI. So one of them okay. is um, uh, Sam Altman. Uh, he's the CEO of Chat Chat GPT. Yes, like so, like the big one everyone right. knows. CEO of that. Him and uh, other executives and leaders of AI groups gathered together and they released this statement. Are you ready? Yep. Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risk such as pandemics and nuclear war. So the amount of attention we give to nuclear war and pandemics and the prevention of those, we should also give to the prevention of AI causing the humans to go extinct. These are the guys that developed AI, right? right? It's like, seems pretty straightforward. Just like put in a code that like bugs the whole system and then shut it down and let's move on. If you can, right? So, So the idea, you know, how all these movies start is like, you know, they give them the parameters and, you know, at the start of all these movies, it's like, you know, you always have that one guy who's like keeping, keeping it in check, but then the, the robot gains consciousness yep. and no longer follows the orders of the guys. Like now he can think for himself. 
So if this is what the leaders of AI, the, the developers of AI are saying, if they're that worried about it, should we be worried about it? I mean, maybe. All right. Here we go. Here's the most wild one. Um, did did y'all hear about the guy getting um, locked out of his house from Amazon? Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's the story. And as far as I can tell, I, I don't know if this is confirmed. So so it might be alleged. Alleged. Okay. So there's this guy who has a smart home. Uh, do you have a smart home? Anything? Do you have anything smart home? Uh, we have locks at our house. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. So do you have any smart stuff? Um. I have my smartphone. Yeah, so but no, nothing like <laughs> right, controlling your home. So, right. so smart home stuff. So I have a, a lot of it. So like my lights, like my locks. Um, uh, we want to get like our garage door opener to be smart. All those things, and all that's tied to for us our, our Apple account. And um, uh, essentially, you know, if we drive up to our home and we want the lights to turn on, we can have it automatically turn on because it recognizes that we're home or unlock the door automatically because it recognizes we're home, so on and so forth. So this guy had um, Amazon, uh, the Alexa products, um, uh, all throughout his home. And he would use the Amazon uh, Alexa, the Echo, to, uh, to control it all. And he noticed one day that his, uh, he was locked out of the system. It wouldn't let him do anything in it. And so he started like researching it. And what he found out, he uh, again allegedly uh, got in contact with the executives at Amazon. And they were like, oh, like, here's what happened. We had a report from one of our delivery drivers that you made a racist remark to him. And because you made a racist remark, we have locked down your account until we can do an investigation. And so this dude was literally locked out of any of his like smart devices in his home. Like, cause like, and for me, like y- you may think about that and it's like, Oh, that's not a big deal. So like for our home, that would actually be a really big deal because a lot of our uh, lights are smart lights. And so how we interact with it is through the smart thing. So if I get locked out of that, now it becomes very cumbersome on to be able to turn my lights on and off. Um, or if it's tied to your lock on your right. door, now it becomes very, if like, so very rarely do we even like carry a key on us right. because right. we interact with our lock through the smart um, avenues. And so so they completely locked him out of his account to where he couldn't access his smart device and because he allegedly made a racist remark to wow. a delivery driver. What ended up happening was, so he has a um, uh, like a smart doorbell and uh, his smart doorbell can can give auto-generated responses. So like someone walks up, they can have like a, the, the doorbell say, excuse me, can I help you? Um, and it's not the guy saying it, it's like the doorbell itself says that. And so so uh, apparently that uh, doorbell said that, the delivery driver heard something, reported that to Amazon, Amazon then shuts down the account because... <laughs> Hold on, time out. So a- the, the doorbell is an Amazon Alexa product. It's a, um, uh, I think he said it was a Eufy which is okay. a, a different brand, but, different. but still it ties in. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, so Amazon called their own delivery driver, uh, allegedly a racist <laughs> comment. And so Amazon then locks down the guy's house because of the product or their integrated system or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it seems kind of funny, but, uh, I mean, and, and kind of bringing it to, uh, to what it means for us, uh, even, um, if Amazon, uh, in their system can totally shut down somebody's house for, uh, you know, allegedly saying something that's racist, um, you know, at first you might be like, well, 
you know, yeah, you shouldn't be a racist and shouldn't say racist things. Well, just apply the same thing to to Christians. To anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like that, the moment they have that power, yep. now whatever the ideology is shifts. Right. And it can be used against you. Yeah. Yep. And now we're in 1984, yep. right? Um, That's right. And so essentially, the, you know, the, the idea, that the reason I bring that story up is, again, if we move into this world that is everything is growingly being controlled by technology and there's people at the top who are programming that technology could at one point like you said um it shifts so like like this worldwide mm-hmm. technology is happening that controls everything yep. like our access to our house our lights our um, accounts online our cars we're moving into where cars are being controlled through not keys anymore but devices um everything in our life is controlled through technology and now at the top of that technology is a man who sets the rules and now if you don't play by the rules boom everything shut down jeff bezos <laughs> right jeff <laughs> the antichrist oh, yeah. no. <laughs> that was a joke yeah. uh, for the record yes uh, is he even still at amazon i thought he resigned oh i don't know i think he resigned and bought like a 500 million dollar lot yacht uh, probably he's yeah he's living on his yacht now but yeah um, he, he's the guy everybody thinks of when you think of amazon which by the way yeah, on, it's a, a side note so he bought like a 500 million dollar yacht and then but the problem was the yacht was too big for where he lived um and so <laughs> there was a bridge that was too short and so he couldn't get his yacht out um like a public bridge i think i know where this is yeah. going so he was gonna pay 50 million dollars to rebuild this bridge <laughs> it's like how much money do you have that you can just like rebuild facets of an entire city uh, i think the city actually ended up declining and and saying no you can't do that um so uh, uh, hopefully he didn't buy the yacht first <laughs> <laughs> right that was just going around in the little harbor he calls bill gates hey i have this yacht uh maybe you <laughs> might want it i'll sell it to you for 4.99 yeah <laughs> um anyways so the idea being um, if you don't live up to the status quo mm-hmm. of whatever the draconian government uh, establishes, there is potentially a world yep. where you do get shut out mm-hmm. and that no longer you can no longer interact with society in the the normal ways that society would interact. Right. So so again, in in a world where it used to be like you know a small contained uh, thing of you know they had to go to the temple or, or right. whatever it was get their piece of paper you know saying that they they did the proper sacrifice um now again at a push of a button the tools are there you could do it yeah twenty thousand miles away right and and do that um allegedly allegedly right allegedly. <laughs> but man i i saw that i saw that story and i was like oh my gosh like that's insane like surely that's not true um, right yeah, uh, that's why I use Apple. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so for some tech jargon, Apple, everything happens locally. And so um, so like with all the Amazon and Google products, it, whenever you give a command to their thing, it hops out to a server mm-hmm. uh, at Google or Amazon and then p- comes back for the command. Uh, with Apple HomeKit, everything happens locally yeah. um, at the house. Um, another reason why... <laughs> I don't trust Apple long term, but um, <laughs> yeah. at least for now, today. You're okay for now. At least today. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can go home and the, your locks uh, will open for you. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the batteries die. Right. Uh, which does happen. 
Okay. All right. Enough speculation on AI. Um, yeah, that was fun, though. That, that was, uh, yeah, I, I love it. You, you got any speculation, Judah, on AI? It's the end. It's the end. It's just <laughs> the, the end. end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I think is going to happen, though, because because we uh whatever it is be ai technology whatever it is um i don't think it's going to be a, a stark shift uh, i don't think it's going to be one day we live in a free world the next day boom like draconian rule i think it's going to be a, a slow slow burn like we're just going to ease our way into it like you, you know have you heard the illustration of the frog yes yeah. yeah so it's like you throw a frog into boiling water the frog jumps out however if you throw a ball a frog into room temp and slowly pull up the water the frog will just boil to death yeah and you won't leave um, you because won't it's, it's happening. Temperature. It's yeah. happening so slow that he doesn't realize it's happening. And I think that's how, how it's going to be. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be so slow that one day we're going to wake up and not realize that we're there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So so let's recap those points. So concerning the mark of the beast, uh, one, the number of the beast is for a man. Mm-hmm. Of a man. Yeah. The number yeah. of the beast is the number of a man. That's yep. what it was. Yeah. Number two, everyone gets a mark. Mm-hmm. Number three, the number of the beast isn't necessarily the mark of the beast. It's symbolic. Mm-hmm. And then four, whatever the mark of the beast is, you're going to need it to buy things and operate within this global government economy mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And then he he um, he concludes the sermon, I think, uh in a good way. What, what does he say at the end? Um, well, he uh, he really t- tied it back to everybody gets a mark. Mm-hmm. So we're either in Christ or or not. Everybody has that has a mark, and uh, there's no middle ground. Uh, you're either in Christ or or, or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was sort of the way that that he ended it. Um, he he also talked about uh, the beast is a, a fraud and the beast is a liar. So uh, the beast uh, we've already talked about a little bit, sort of. Uh, presents himself uh, as as God, and he deceives basically the whole world, except for those that, mm-hmm. whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Um, so he, he sells uh, lies as the truth, and the truth he sells as a lie or considers to be a lie. And so uh, Lee even uh, brought up, he's like, so what do we do with all this, right? Like, this is a lot of uh, a lot on the, the actual mark of the beast itself. Well, what do we do with this? And uh, he did say, uh, you know, we, we don't have to have it all figured out. Uh, we don't have to understand all of the ins and outs of the symbology, or we don't have to understand all of the, uh, you know, revelation from front to, to end. Uh, it's okay if we don't. Uh, but Revelation thirteen eighteen tells us to exercise wisdom. And it calls for wisdom uh, when it comes to uh, being able to uh, identify and pick up any time that there are any sorts of uh, or any kind of deception or lies or falsehoods that are directed our way. And so, um, you know, we, we don't want to be swept up in the deception uh, mm-hmm. that that uh, is sort of characteristic of, of the beast, of yeah. the mark of the beast. And and I think it'd be easy to. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Whenever you have, because we're talking about the masses here, right? The masses are going to be deceived. Yes. Right? And it becomes that there's been lots of studies done on this where you have, uh, they put a bunch of people into a room, they give a very simple question, um, like, you know, they, they'll draw two lines 
on the wall, and one line will very clearly be longer than the other. And they ask the question to the room, uh, which one of these lines is longer, A or B? And there's only one person in, in the study. There might be 20 people in the room, but the, the other 19 are right. are um, part of or like like partaking right. uh, part of the crowd, sort yeah. of. Yeah, and so the 19 people will answer out loud. A is longer, but really B is longer. And so you have the one person who's like looking at this and it's like, A is clearly longer, but everyone else is saying B is longer. Am I missing something here? Right. And they said that, I, I, I can't tell you the percentage of people that change the answers, but um, a significant uh, percentage of people changed the answer. They knew it was wrong, but they changed their answer because everyone else mm. uh, said it was that. And so, and that's, exactly how I think mass deception is going to work where you have people who um, look at the situation and they're like, this is not right, but everyone else agrees. So I must be missing something. So so I'm just going to toe the line. Yeah. 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 There's that. Um, And uh, I mean, and at the same time too. So we're talking about mass deception um, and the nature of deception, right? Is that it is deceiving, right? So sometimes deception comes in unexpected ways. Right. Look at again. We're right back to Genesis three once again. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, here's the serpent and deceives uh, Eve and uh, by extension Adam into uh, eating the apple, or deceives Eve and then Adam just flat out transgresses the command. But um, yeah, so it's it's not like uh, deception comes in such a form that it's like you know here's here's some flashing lights. Oh, this is deceptive right here. Uh, and so what that means is we ought to as believers exercise wisdom. Uh, discernment, be uh, you know, be in our Bibles, be in Scripture, um, understand you know what is true and what is false, and hold fast uh, to the truth. So, I mean, there's even been uh, another theme throughout Scripture is the theme of uh, false teachers, right? So this mm-hmm. one, uh, the beast here, is the false prophet, and so being able to identify those uh, is is going to be really important. I mean, even back in the Old Testament, you have uh, Korah's rebellion uh, back then in uh, uh, Numbers chapter 16, where uh, there's Korah uh, is um, sort of diverting off of, uh, you know, w- uh, the way that Moses is uh, working to lead the Israelites. And the, the end result of Korah's rebellion, right, and uh, is, I mean, they're all swallowed up uh, by, uh, by the earth, and, and God really puts an end to them and sweeps them away. Uh, fast forward, uh, you know, Jesus warns about false teachers. Uh, you know, they'll come to you in, in sheep's clothing, but uh, inwardly they'll be ravenous wolves, and uh, wolves plus sheep is not happy. It's not equal a happy ending for the sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galatians is another good example of false teachers uh, you know, being brought in to, and they deceive uh, people who are in the churches there uh, or the church of, at Galatia. And so uh, for us, right, again, knowing our Bible holding fast to what we know is true uh, helps us to sort of be able to identify and then counteract uh, those uh, the deception yeah, have uh, that the exists level there in the of, world. Uh, discernment. Right. And I think that's uh, in a big way, um, you know, at the very end of, of chapter 13, you know, where uh, uh, chapter 13, verse 18, this calls for wisdom, right? Let the one who has understanding calculate the number. So, before that, uh, in verse 9, it's, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Again, that's symbology. Uh, and then down at the bottom of 18, it's, uh, you need wisdom. 
uh, you need understanding uh, to, to understand and see uh, the sort of mm-hmm. deception even that's going to be coming from uh, from this from the beast, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, in conclusion, the mark of the beast is a real thing. It is going to be tied to a man. Uh, they we are told to or we are warned about it. I guess you could say, um, but uh, just be sober minded. Think was uh, think wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you know the beast isn't going to snatch you out of his right. hands. Uh, and just um, have discernment um, and and warn people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know that's one of the big things is that uh, you know we we didn't get much into it, but there's going to be at the time that this happens, there's going to be a mass delusion mm-hmm. that takes place, and um, and the, at one point in the Bible. Or sorry, one point in Revelation, like whatever choice you made, you're in that choice, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like there, there's going to be a point where whatever choice they've made, either to um, put their faith in Jesus or to reject Jesus, they're in that choice, right? And so look now um, to be a witness for the gospel mm-hmm. before you know someone gets locked into that choice, right? And right. so. So that way, before they get uh, completely um, uh, uh, on, on the broad road that leads to destruction, yeah, right? before yeah. before they get to that point, yeah, yeah. So, all right, mark of the beast. Yep, <laughs> that's that a was fun, fun one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I'm curious now what Lee's going to talk about uh, this Sunday. Right. Um, but anyways, uh, again, if you have any uh, uh, thoughts about that, I know you probably do. Feel free to leave them in the comment section. We love to interact with you uh, in that way. Uh, but before we go, we, we've been talking for a while. Judah, what, what are we at? We're at an hour and 13 minutes. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, we've been going for a while. <laughs> it's hard not to with yeah, this topic. Right. So, we didn't even hit everything. Yeah, I mean. we didn't. Um, all right. Before we go, we've got our Bad Doctrine of the Week. Yes. Judah, you got a song for us? Not yet. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. Okay. Judah's going to put together a uh, Bad Doctrine of the Week song. But I'm sad because so, – so I've got one for us, but it may not be true. Oh, no. So there's this girl, um, Cass Theas. I think that's how you say her name. Uh, she made a video and claimed that she sued her parents after they gave birth to her without her permission. <laughs> They didn't ask her permission on whether or not she could be born. It's looking like she may have been joking. I don't know. I watched the video. I, uh, she, she's a good actor if she's not joking. But either way, she claimed in, in the, the, the video, she said uh, she's an advocate uh, to uh, educate people on getting their child permission before the child is born. So let's say you have a woman who's okay. pregnant. All right. First off. She shouldn't. She shouldn't get pregnant. Like she, in the video, she's saying, don't get pregnant. But if you are pregnant, what you need to do is you need to go to a psychic medium <laughs> to communicate with the baby <laughs> and figure out if that baby wants to be born. And if the baby does want to be born, have the baby. If the baby doesn't want to be born, terminate the baby. Some scary doctrine. If it's true... If she's not joking, some scary doctrine right there. Well, yeah, let's just say it, uh, it's not true. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crazy thing about that is like where we are in, in the world, uh, culturally in the United States, philosophically, it doesn't sound too far off <laughs> yeah. from a lot of different things. I mean, maybe the psychic 
medium part uh that might be a little out there even for, for some i don't yeah, know uh, but but i mean a lot of the same ideologies are present right yeah yeah uh well one of the things that she she uh cites is uh she did not want to be brought into a world that she had to work and that she had to provide uh you know for herself and and feed herself and, and things like that uh and so she basically the the tune of it all was i didn't want to have to be a human that had to survive so therefore i'm suing my parents because they didn't they didn't they brought me into this situation without my consent how dare they make me work yeah (laughs) and feed myself (laughs) right so there's a lot of different ways that we can address how this is bad doctrine um to live by um but let's just let's just take you know, one or two, because uh, we can we can go with a uh, you know honoring your parents. Mm-hmm. We can go with that life is formed by God mm-hmm. and is valuable, and we're made in the image of God. We can go with um, uh, work is a part of life. Yep. Uh, even pre-fall. Yep. That's, work, that's where I was that's going. Where going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, work uh, is a part of life, and it's not a bad thing that we have to work. Now, sin, the curse of sin. Uh, brings complications to that, right. but it's not inherently bad. Mm. Um, that is a good thing inherently. Um, what were some other ways that we could address it? Uh, obviously, the the abortion right. side of it. Of Sounds like an excuse. Like, oh, mm. well, maybe she's a psychic and is wanting an economic <laughs> bump. Like, oh, everybody buys into that. Well, the demand for psychics somehow mm-hmm. goes up overnight. Mm-hmm. No way. Uh, yeah. Then, uh, <laughs> then ironically, she's working. Uh, so you know not to say that she is but uh, yeah trying to think of Um, all the different angles yeah they could even uh go into you know the self-deification thing Mm -hmm. again of like you know it's god who brings us into this world and is basically taking that that responsibility off of god and saying no we are the determiners of if we get brought into this world right um so which which one you want to take um there's so many options. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you pick. Oh, let, let, let's pick do the work choice. one. The, the, the work okay. one's fun. Uh, so I, I think you got the passage pulled up anyways. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, Genesis chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 15. So just for a little bit of context, this is after uh, God has created everything. Uh, the world, uh, he's ordered the world. He's uh, filled the earth. Uh, he makes man on the sixth day. And he's going to put Adam there in the Garden of Eden. So this is uh, Genesis 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Uh, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Uh, And then it it goes on. Um, And there's even another... A passage that kind of you know gets uh, gets into that as well. Um, uh, Genesis one twenty eight, uh, male and female uh, are created by God. God blessed them, uh, and God said to them, "Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth." Uh, and then it goes on. So uh, even well, Chris, just like what you what you said just a minute ago. Even pre-fall, right, where there's a mandate to, to work, right? Creation wasn't just brought together and or created out of nothing by God to sit there and go nowhere uh, to have uh, somebody else come and feed you. Yeah, or, and, and uh, even, you know, work the garden. 
you've ever done yard work, man, <laughs> it's like when you leave it to just be, yeah, like it doesn't become like a, a beautiful thing on its own, right? Right? It's like, uh, you know, the the aspect of like you come in and it takes uh, work and dedication to maintain, right? And to um, make sure things don't overgrow and and whatnot. And so, so there's for sure an element of work to that. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the curse made it more difficult right you know the thorns will now grow from the earth and you know your work will now work against you yep uh and so now your your work is going to become much harder Mm -hmm. but they're still inherently good Mm -hmm. and inherently um purpose within work that supersedes sin and the curse and the fall yes and here here's just a, a a statistic so um here's one from uh rutgers university they did a study and they found that uh, there's about 11.4 million U.S. adults who have a serious mental illness, be it schizophrenia, anxiety, major depression, bipolar. Up to 90% of those are unemployed. Here's another one. Um, unemployed status was associated with more than three times the odd of de- odds of depression compared to those who were employed. And so I think there's something inherently within us that how God designed us to um to need to need work to need like we wake up and we have a a purpose for that day something that we're going to go um like i where i can look back at the end of the day and i can look back at what i've done what i've built what i've maintained how i've helped other people whatever it may be i can look back and call that good Mm -hmm. and sit back and and feel like like my life like I did something with my right. life that day. I, I think I think God built that into yeah. us. And whenever uh, I think the reason that um, depression and anxiety rates are so high among the unemployed is because you're waking up every day and you're not fulfilling that purpose in your life. Right. It's like uh, everything is about you know how can I feed my vices today mm-hmm. and you know cure my boredom rather than how can I go out build something, provide something for others, serve others. Right. And, uh, and I do think we kind of have to be careful uh, at the same time between work and then a job. Mm-hmm. So work and, and job doesn't always mean the same yeah. thing. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if there are people out there that, you know, are struggling with some of these mental health issues and they're unemployed, uh, yeah, it, that, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, just because you don't have a job doesn't mean that you're not also working. So, mm-hmm. for example, I think it was the first summer uh, since I, yeah, I was a teacher. It was the first summer that I had off after uh, my oldest son was born. And, man, uh, I had a uh, – so it's like two months in the summer where it's me and it's and Paul. And he was just a few months old. And I got to tell you, I gained a new appreciation for stay-at-home moms. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, so just <laughs> yes. one example. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah, right. yes, yes. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Th- th- thank you for clarifying yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I didn't think you were saying no. uh, that, but just wanted to make it clear that no, yes. you know, uh, work doesn't always equal job. It can, yes. right? But yes. there's there's lots of different kind of work. Uh, I've stayed well. at home all day and watched the kids. That is a job. Absolutely. That is work. It is work. Absolutely, it is. That's um, worthwhile, and yes. it, there's a purpose. Yes. Uh, built into it that is for sure thank you for clarifying yeah. that. that is for sure not what i meant uh, when i'm talking about unemployed i mean oh, i know you, you know wake up yeah. no responsibilities um and and i wouldn't even necessarily throw retired people into that because right. like my grandpa's been retired for decades man he he gets up and he works the farm like he will find something to do mm-hmm. uh, and he's 85 and still going yeah 
And so, so no, well, more and what I think these yeah. statistics are getting at are people who wake up with no purpose in their life right. to get up and go do something, no kids to take care right. of. No one's um, expecting them to be anywhere. Yes, they, they can, just wake up yeah. and, you know, I'm going to watch YouTube today yeah. or I'm going to, you know, go microwave my pizza today or... Right. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest, um, have somebody else microwave their pizza for them because they don't want to work to feed <laughs> <Yeah>. themselves. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the biggest event in their life is going to the bathroom that day. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I think that's what more of those statistics are probably getting at. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, yeah. And I, I think, again, I think it just harkens back to God designed us a certain way. And no matter how hard we try, we can't get around that design. Right. Uh, God designed for us to, uh, to have purpose and to have work. And whenever you live your life trying to skirt that design and skirt that responsibility, short term, sure, you may have a good time because you, know, you can wake up and you can play games and you can watch TV and you can do whatever. But long term, you're going to realize that um, there's no purpose in YouTube. Right. There's no purpose in you know, unless you're watching the digging deeper podcast, unless you're watching the digging deeper podcast, (laughs) um, you know, it's like with kids, like it's just even having kids. Right. Um, man, if I was to look on the outside and just look at the, the hardship of kids, man, it, it built a good case for not having kids. Right. (laughs) It's like, I gotta spend all this money on them. I gotta spend all my time on them. I gotta raise them, uh, do all these things, all these things I could do before I can't do now, man, there's, building up a good case to not have kids until you actually get in the midst of it and you realize, man, it's the hardest thing you're going to do. But at the same time, it's going to be the most rewarding yeah, thing. Certainly you're a blessing. Do. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just a matter of like, um, like God has given us these blessings and responsibilities in our life. And a, a childish thing to do is how can I skirt these responsibilities? Right. And a mature thing to do is say, even though they're hard, they're there for a reason mm-hmm. and there's reward and blessings on the other side of them. Right. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's just one way we could approach it, uh, among of a dozen other things. So, uh, hopefully that's not true. Hopefully yeah. she didn't actually sue her parents right. and hopefully she doesn't actually think that, uh, if she does, um, man, we're praying for you. Yeah. All right. That was a long one. It was. Yeah. Uh, Judah, you got anything to add? You want to say bye? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, uh, you know, we release these on Thursdays at nine. Uh, feel free to comment. We love to read them. Any suggestions you got on uh, uh, what we could talk about? If you got any bad doctrines of the week that, that you want to uh, give suggestions for, feel free to comment those. Uh, we love to see them. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, podcast platforms. Go check them out. Uh, but until next week. We'll see you later.